Good evening. Hey, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. So um, would you wish me back a Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Christmas. All right, there we go. A little energy in the room. Good to hear your voices tonight. Hey, um, we're uh, New City Church. If you're new with us, we're glad that you're here. We're going to have our candle lighting here in a moment after this short uh, homily. A homily is a short sermon. So everyone in their minds is saying amen. Hallelujah. It's going to be short tonight. Um, We're going to do a little bit of a short sermon time to celebrate Christmas Eve. Um, We're finishing Advent, and of course Advent is, uh, is the celebration of Christ's first coming into the world, and we're also looking forward to his second coming into the world. So just a couple quick things about our church. We meet obviously here every Sunday, 1030. We'll be here tomorrow at 1030. You can open up presents easily by then because your kids will be up by 4. So no problem being here by 10.30. If you stumble in with pajamas, just sit in the back row. That's for the pajama people. Um, no, I'm just, just kidding. You can sit in the front row and we'll might laugh at you a little bit. But we'd love for you to be here tomorrow as we have our normal uh, Lord's Day worship service. Uh, my name's Aaron, and Pastor Mark and I just, again, want to welcome you. If you have any questions about our church, please let us know. I'm going to be in uh, Isaiah chapter 62. And I'm going to go ahead and have you stay seated as I read this particular text, and then we'll pray, and then we'll have a time in God's Word. This is Isaiah 62, verse 6 through 12. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies. And foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highest uh, highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the people's. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Let me pray for us. Father God, we're grateful to be here on this Christmas Eve. Uh, Maybe uh, this is the one time of year where we step foot into a church. And so, God, we want tonight to be a special night where you um, meet us, where you minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the proclamation of your word. God, I pray that the distractions of this season um, uh, would not be here tonight, but we would forget about those and we'd focus on you. Uh, I ask, God, that you would uh, remind us of some very important truths of your coming and what it represents and your second coming and what it represents as well. We praise you, King Jesus. We lift your name high tonight. We ask that you'd be with us as we celebrate, again, your advent into this world, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. We pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you and that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, well, I don't know. Hey, kids, if you think this is going to be the best Christmas ever, raise your hand. Okay, about 90%. The other 10% might have coal in the stocking tomorrow. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say it. This is the best Christmas ever. And the reason I'm going to say it, um, you're going to hear that maybe this year, maybe you won't, I don't know. But the reason I'm going to say it is because we're one Christmas closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you haven't been around our church the past several years, I would like to catch you up to speed. Um, Don't worry, I have dinner plans after service, so this isn't going to take long. I'm not going to summarize several years in in, in a little or in a long time. It'll be a short time. Um, The past several years, of course, have been challenging, right? We've had a pandemic. Now we have a triple-demic. Maybe next year a quad-demic. We'll just add one every single year, and we'll just uh, keep getting boosters and boosters and more boosters. I digress. Um, it's It's been a long three years and a difficult three years, and I think some people are looking at the demise of Western civilization and its acceleration the past couple of de- uh, decades, and they're thinking it's kind of like Chevy Chase on the greased snow toboggan thing. You ever seen that movie where he goes lightning fast down the hill and crashes? Seems like our civilization is crashing like that. But in all of that time, I think our church and what the Lord has taught me and hopefully has taught you There's been some amazing things that I've learned over the past several years. Number one, that of course this is the best Christmas ever because we're one more Christmas closer to the return of Christ. But also as a church, we have learned deeply of the sovereignty of God over all things. I don't know about you, but a lot of people try to control their life. They have their Excel spreadsheet, the checklist of how to get things done in their life, how to conquer their, their world. And we've all learned over the last several years that we can't conquer anything, that God is in control of everything. He is the sovereign God over all things. We've also seen that he came as a king to save and judge. Let me rephrase that. He didn't come as just a hippie guru. Okay, you can't make Jesus into that. He came as a king, even though he was born into a lowly manger, We like to think of him maybe that way, but he grew up and he was the king, is the king now and forevermore, and he came to save people and to judge the world and to judge those that were around him as he taught uh, what sin was and what the law was and how we had broken it and we needed a savior. Third, I think our church, and I've learned this, we have seen Jesus as setting the captives free. And it's not some future event. It's not something that's going to happen in the future, although there will be many captives set free. But the captives have been set free right now. You've been set free from the power and the bondage and the slavery to sin if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Fourth, we have seen that his kingdom grows like a mustard seed. And it grows into this great tree, or it's like a speck of leaven working itself through the entire loaf of bread. The advance of God's kingdom is slow and steady. Uh, Most recently, you maybe heard me say that it could be several thousand years before the second coming of Christ. And what are we to do in that time? Even though things seem difficult, we've learned that the kingdom is growing slowly and steadily. God is sovereign. He is growing it. He is saving people to himself. 
Fifth, we have learned that Jesus miraculously comes through. And sometimes it's like a cliffhanger and it's like that throughout history. As bad as things seem, or maybe as good as things seem, there's a cliffhanger that God comes through because he wants to take us to our last possible uh, selfish pride and say, I will save you, I will come through, I will be the king and savior of the world. Sixth, we have learned to laugh while the heathen nations rage because God is victorious. I find myself actually laughing sometimes when I hear the demise of what's going on. One of the best ways, by the way, to laugh at what's going on in the world is to get on Twitter. I should never recommend that. But you see all of the madness, the craziness, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus is king over all, you can laugh while the heathen nations rage. That's actually a psalm, and we sing that on occasion here even at New City Church. Last, and of course there's been many things other than this, but last thing that I thought of as I was preparing for tonight, we have remembered that Jesus' kingdom is happening right now. That the earth will be full of his glory and all the nations will stream to him like rivers. He reigns now and forevermore. So certainly this is the best Christmas ever. And I want tonight to give you a prophetic word, maybe for the rest of your life, not in a weird prophetic way, but a prophetic word from Isaiah. For the rest of your life and for the rest of human history until Jesus comes again, the sec, uh, second advent or his second coming, this passage is what we can experience and what we know until that time comes. I believe the first teaching of this text is Jesus... In the time between his first and second coming, Jesus will never be silent. He'll never be silent. I want you to think about that because uh, this past year, several of us went down to the Capitol to testify about a particular bill that would outlaw abortion on demand. And it was funny to watch the response of many of the people, both those who are Congress, or not Congress people, but state representatives that were uh, hosting the committee, and then other people that were uh, against this particular bill. Um, they were trying to silence the believers in Christ. They were trying to silence those who were standing up for life. And it was very interesting. As you looked around, the tactics are the same, always they're going to bully you. They're going to try and take the microphone from you. And this is the point. They might be able to do that from you, but they will never silence Jesus Christ. Never. I just read some stats um, recently as uh, we have Christmas on Sunday that happens in a weird way because of leap year. It's like six years and then five years and then six years and then 11 years. So the next Christmas on Sunday is going to be in 2033, Christmas of 2033. Now there's this big debate, um, churches are talking to each other, Christians are on social media talking to each other, and there was a stat, I read it, I believe on Fox News, uh, their website today, that 16% of Christian churches are canceling church tomorrow. Okay. I just want to remind you, this is Christmas. It's Christmas, okay? Every Sunday, 
here even at New City and um, many other churches, Sunday is for the worship of the triune God. Like it's really, um, it's really fundamental to life. If you want to know how to live your life, I would tell you this. Become part of a church that meets every Lord's Day to worship the triune God of Scripture. Another stat, 40% of Christian churches are only having either Christmas Eve or just Christmas Day services. They're not going to do both. And this is a trend, by the way, that is showing a decrease in church attendance and they say a decrease in Christianity overall in Western civilization, particularly the United States of America. And a lot of people look at that and like, why are you making a big deal about that? What's the big deal, Pastor? Why is this such a big deal? And you might think it's okay, but again, these stats are a trend or a trajectory of Western churches becoming weaker, less salty, and less light. And for those of us who feel an apathy about this and really don't care, let me remind you, as I said to start this, Jesus will never be silent. The proclamation of the gospel will be renowned in this age and in ages to come. Jesus even says that the rocks will cry out if they try to silence Christ, if they try to silence the gospel. They, rocks won't have to because the kingdom of God is taking over the world. You might not believe that, you might not think that, but it's promised throughout scripture, not only in this passage, but many other passages. And Isaiah starts this particular passage by saying, there's going to be watchmen to protect, guard, and proclaim the glory of Jesus and his gospel. Now he mentions in verse 6, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. He's not talking about the city of Jerusalem, although in that particular time frame, the context might be the actual city. But looking forward prophetically, he's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. All of the people who have come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, that he has saved, those are the Jerusalem that Jesus or God has set his watchmen over. They're there to proclaim Jesus and the glory of his gospel. It's a reference, again, the Jerusalem is a reference to all who be saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he calls those folks watchmen. And this word is referenced in Isaiah 52, if you would turn back 10, 10 chapters or so. And it says that these watchmen watch over Jerusalem by singing for joy. Uh, it's kind of awkward to, to start out as a church singing the Psalms. Like we've just started doing that very recently within the last year, year or so. We get together and we sing the Psalms because the Psalms were written as a songbook for believers in God, for God's people to sing back to him in joyful expectation of who he is and what he's doing. So these watchmen, they don't like sharpen their swords or get their sniper rifles dialed in, they sing for joy. And it says that they sing for joy because they see the first and second coming of Christ the King. Now, there's this interesting thing about watchmen, though. Watchmen are watching out for something. There are enemies coming for them and for the people, and they know that the end of the war is victory in Christ, but they're watchful for the battles that are coming for them. And they're part of this band of people 
that are never resting and always advancing. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, of course there's times of resting. Jesus says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. But we are always advancing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is always advancing. The church is always advancing. Sadly, there are times in history where the church forgets to advance. Just my opinion, I think we're in a season, a time in history where that has become part of our church's unfortunate legacy is we're forgetting to advance. The church stays silent and apathetic and around them, the enemy prowls. Satan is uh, talked about as a lion seeking whom he may devour. Um, just two responses. What's the best Christmas movie ever? Anybody out there got, got a good one? Yes, sir. It's a Wonderful Life. I was watching that kind of today, off and on. Actually, my dad was watching it, and I was watching him watch it. Yes. The Star. Was that a good Christmas movie? Can I tell you what my favorite Christmas movie is? It's The Ghost in the Darkness. It's really weird, isn't it? I watched it this week. That's why it kind of became a Christmas movie. It has nothing to do with Christmas. But it does have a lot to do with this particular passage. The Ghost in the Darkness is this really interesting movie about a true story where back, I think, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, an engineer from Scotland goes to Africa to build a bridge. And he's building this particular railroad bridge, and he's competition with the Germans and the French and the English are trying to build this bridge. And all these people, these workers, come to help build the bridge, but they're getting eaten by lions. And this bridge has to advance for this civilization to move forward, for this group to get their mission forward. they got to build this particular bridge, but these lions keep prowling day and night, seeking whom they may devour, and they start to kill all the workers. And at some point, the engineer from Scotland has to take matters into his own hands, and he goes hunting for the lion. He goes hunting for the lion. See, there are enemies on the prowl. They're killing the workers. They're distracting the church. But the enemy must be destroyed. The enemy has been destroyed in Christ, and we'll get to that later. But the watchmen must do their jobs. The watchmen are remembering Jesus with his coming in mind, and they're remembering and hearing and speaking about it. They're talking about it. They're saying to each other, remember he is coming. Remember, the victory has been won. Remember, one day the earth will be full of his glory. One day his kingdom will be here as it is in heaven. So onward, Christian soldiers. Are you saying that to each other? Does Advent bring that hope to you where, you know, it's during the darkest time of the year and Seems like maybe not only in the room, but also in life, there's very little light. There's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hardship. Are we reminding each other, don't worry, his kingdom will be here as it is in heaven. Don't worry, he is coming. The victory is won. Don't worry, one day the earth will be full of his glory. 
Now they're saying that to each other as they watch over Jerusalem because of this truth. Verse 8, Jesus has sworn there is victory. I don't know about you, but when I was little, my mom, this is the first year that I won't be celebrating Christmas with my mom. She passed away this past summer and she's with the Lord having the best Christmas ever. But she reminded me, Christians don't swear. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. But Jesus has sworn victory. He has sworn, it says, by his right hand. The right hand in scripture is the hand of truth and the hand of strength. In other words, he's promised something and, his, and he is strong enough to uh, pull it through to make it happen. It's a hand of truth and a hand of strength. And he has sworn this. You will eat and drink of your labor. What is the labor of the believer? The labor of the believer is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love others as you want to be loved. And when it talks about love in Scripture, it says love is obedience. That's how we show God love. We obey him. That is our labor. Jesus swears victory. He says, you're going to eat and drink of your labor. And those who love God and are saved by God understand that their provision is from the Lord and they praise him for it in his sanctuary. We have also learned that the Lord's day matters. All of our days lead to it and flow from it. And that day is glorifying of God in all that we do. And so Jesus says, you'll be victorious. If you obey me, you will eat and drink of your labor. If you obey me, you will see the kingdom as it is in heaven. You will see all of my works and all of his sovereign ways and his glory revealed. How does he do it? It says in this text that he prepares the way. He builds up the highway. He lifts up the signal. The signal is just a way of him saying or the way of scripture saying that he shows the way and he builds a city that is not forsaken. This is what is interesting. Scripture promises that all the earth knows it. Every soul that has ever walked the planet knows deep down, even the so-called atheists, they know that Jesus is building a city that is not forsaken. Salvation has come from the Lord and he is building something he calls a holy people. And it's not a holy people that were holy prior to Christ saving them. It's a holy people that he has redeemed. The word redeemed means he has brought them out of the slave marketplace. And so what a dying, a dying world is seeking out can be seen in the church. Jesus is the only salvation and he is the only way. He is the watchman calling us to be watchmen until he comes again. Now, there's maybe some folks here tonight that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. And I appreciate you being here tonight. It's, I think, an act of God. Why in the world, if you don't know God, would you want to be in the presence of his word being proclaimed and songs being sung to him and all those things happening? You might be asking yourself that question right now and saying, where's the nearest exit before you leave? Let me remind you that you know deep down that Jesus is Lord. 
You know that he is the creator of all things, that he has revealed himself to you through the scriptures, but also through his creation. He is the sovereign God of the universe, and he's calling you to turn to him tonight. To repent and believe. Repent means to turn from your sin or maybe turn from the things that you think are going to make your life purposeful and joyful. They're not Christ, they're something else. Turn from those things, turn to Christ and believe that his grace and his grace alone can save you. His promises are true. He is everlasting. He has sworn by his right hand and he will do them. He will save you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might be in the very beginning of the Christian church's age. You might have gone for several thousand more years before Christ comes again. And what are you to do until he comes? Be a watchman. Help your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ know that Jesus is Lord, that he is coming that he reigns over all, and that his kingdom is everlasting. We're going to light some candles as we sing a few more songs tonight. I'm going to pray before we do that. And if you're the folks that are going to light the candle to start with, please uh, make your way up here as I pray. But we're going to remind ourselves that Jesus' first coming, his death, burial, resurrection, and his second coming are the hope of the world. We ask um, that you uh, watch the hair of your little ones with the candles. Um, we don't want to be going to the emergency room tonight. But as you light your candle, remember that Jesus is the light of the world. Let's pray. Father God. The victory has been won. Yet we're still required to be watchmen. It's not a drudgery. It's not something that we do only out of obligation, but we do it out of love for you, in obedience to you. If there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would repent and believe. And for those who maybe have lost hope, I, uh, I pray that you would remind them by the lighting of this candle that Jesus is the light of the world. He has won the victory. We've been saved by him. We are being led by him in wisdom and in truth to see his kingdom come as it is in heaven. Thank you for Christmas, all that it represents. We worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.